Even though you and I can change the things that we do, only Jesus can change who we are. Amen. We can change the things we do, but only Jesus can change who we are. And he wants to change who we are. He wants to give us a new life, a new you. And it's important we understand this identity because when you know who you are, then you know what to do, how to live your life. And today, Paul is going to talk to, to us about the fact that once we accept Christ, we are new. It's no longer the old you, it's about the new you. And in this passage, in verse 17 through 24, he's going to contrast the old you and the new you, before Christ and after Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is, a, help me church, new. Everybody say new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. It's time that we take off the grave clothes and we put on the grace clothes. Good morning, everyone. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 or in your mobile devices. We're going to continue our study today. So, how do you like my shirt? I decided to go buy a Bronco shirt this week. I didn't have any Broncos gear. So uh, I sprung for the um, not-quite-jersey t-shirt. I was going to buy a jersey, like a jersey, but I decided to feed my family this week. <laughs> you know, those are those uh, tough choices in life, you know, you have to make. Can we uh, thank uh, Andy and our worship team this morning? Didn't they do an amazing job? <clears throat> we are blessed to have them. So along with buying a t-shirt this week, I went and saw a movie, and that movie is called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Anybody seen this movie yet? Really cool movie, really cool flick. Came out about Christmas time. It's about this guy named Walter who uh, had all these dreams, and he daydreamed all day long about stuff and adventures he wanted to do, and for whatever reason, he just feel like, he felt like he couldn't do them. And uh, it got me thinking about uh, my life and times in my life where I dreamed of doing things. And I remember in ninth grade, summer of my ninth grade year in high school, I decided I wanted to learn how to play guitar. So I didn't have a guitar, that was one problem, but we went on vacation as a family in Illinois and my dad gave me 20 bucks, we were at a mall, he goes, hey, you know, go and spend this money, have fun with it. And so I ended up at this music store and I was looking at all these guitars. The problem with guitars is you can't really buy a guitar for 20 bucks. So I was looking at all these guitars, but then I saw a guitar strap on the wall. And I was like, I, I could buy that. So it was like 15 bucks, so I bought the guitar strap in faith. And I went and found my dad, showed it to him. He's like, man, you're crazy. You really think you're going to get a guitar? And I'm like, absolutely. And um, so the next day... We go to my grandmother's house in Illinois, and guess what she bought me? No, not a guitar. It was co Cocoa Pebbles, Cocoa Pebbles cereal, um, which is my favorite cereal. Anybody else like Cocoa Pebbles? See, let me ask that. Anybody like Cocoa Pebbles? Just raise a hand. Okay, good. That scared me, because if you've not... Okay, anyway. Um, but the next week, I was at my friend's house in Illinois childhood friend, we were both in ninth grade, we're sitting in his room, and I looked, and there was a guitar case by his bed, and I said, do you play guitar? He goes, no, no, somebody, somebody just gave that to me, and I was going to learn, never did, and just have it. 
was like, can I borrow that for like while I'm here on vacation? He said, sure. So then I went to take it back to them at the end of our vacation before we were going home. And uh, his mom and him sat down with me and they said, we feel like God is telling us to give you this guitar. And we want you to have this. So I came back from vacation with a guitar strap and a guitar to learn how to play guitar. So cool. So there's more to the story. So then we get, we get back, and in my church, my youth pastor knew how to play guitar. So I asked him to teach me. He sat down with me patiently and taught me the chords and started teaching me the basics on guitar. And what he did is he invested in me and encouraged me, empowered me, and even gave me opportunities to play in the youth group. And what he was doing was he was saying, Gary, you can do this. You can do this. And he gave me opportunities to play. And you guys know this youth pastor because he's our lead pastor, Doug Dameron. He was my youth pastor 20 years ago. So pretty, pretty cool story. And just like Doug encouraged me, empowered me, and said, Gary, you can do this. I want everyone this morning to walk away from this place saying, I can do something or I can be the person that God wants me to be. We're in a series called, Who Do You Think You Are? And hasn't this been a wonderful series? You guys enjoyed this? And we've said the last couple of weeks that when you know who you are, then you know what to do or you know what you can do. And today I want everybody to walk away saying this phrase, and this is the title of our message, I am spiritual. I want everybody, let's just say that nice and loud. Ready? I am spiritual. See, when we put our trust in Christ, like we talked about last week, then the Holy Spirit comes inside, makes a home in us, and he makes us new. And that's what we talked about last week, that we are new. In your notes, your first blinks this morning, it says, because we are new and have the Holy Spirit, we can be spiritual. Because we are new and have the Holy Spirit, we can be spiritual. And this morning, I want everyone to be able to walk away from this place saying, I am spiritual. And knowing that, believing that. And the, you know, the other thing I want you to keep in mind is it's not the things that we do that make us spiritual that we're going to talk about today. It's not those things that make us spiritual. It's what Jesus did that makes us spiritual. What he did on the cross and what God has done for us and putting the Holy Spirit inside of us that makes a spiritual. But what we're going to do is look at three characteristics of being spiritual that Paul shows us in Ephesians 4. Three characteristics of being spiritual. And I want everyone to know that you can do this. You can do this. So the first characteristic, number one, is truthfulness. Truthfulness. Truthfulness is at the core of any relationship. If you agree with that, just say yes. It's at the core of any relationship, and it's especially at the core of our relationship with God. It's a spiritual thing to live for truth, to be truthful in our life. And in, in this passage, Paul's going to show us three areas uh, in our life as Christians that we need to be truthful in. Because we, have, we are people with the Holy Spirit inside of us. We are people who are spiritual. And that first characteristic is truthfulness. So let's look at verse 25. The first uh, area in our life that we need to be truthful in is be truthful at church. Be truthful at church. That's verse 25. Paul's going to show us this. 
It says, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak what, everybody? Truth with his neighbor. Why is that? He goes on to say, for we are members of one another. Members of one another. What Paul's saying is, you are members of one another. You are the church. You are a church. And you are a family. You're united, united under Christ. And we talked a couple weeks ago about being healthy. You know, I am healthy. And we talked about what a healthy uh, church is. And a healthy church is based on truth. It's based on honesty. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. This will be on the screen. Paul said, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's what? Family. We are a church and we are a family. We're more than just a club that gets together and hangs out and sings songs together. We are people of God and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So that makes us a family. And that's a wonderful thing. And Paul's instructing the church, members of one another in Ephesus to speak truth to one another because they are a church family. Church families, like a, a, a church family that you can really rely on for truth, and even close friends that you can rely on for truth, they are a valuable commodity. Would you agree with that? Man, to have a close friend and a, man, it's, it's hard to find a good church. It really is. It's hard to find a great church that you can just feel like you're a part of that family. And even just to have close friends in your life, it's tough. It's valuable. And Proverbs chapter 27 gives us a really good scripture on what a close friend is. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You got to watch out for those kisses from enemies, people that just tell you what you want to hear. Close friends speak truth to you when no one else will. Have you experienced that? You know, those close friends that will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Those are close friends. You know, it's like people who tell you you got some ketchup on your mouth, you know? Those are close. You know, that's a close friend. People who will tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. This is in your notes. A relationship built on lies and not truth will crumble. A relationship built on lies and not truth will crumble. And it's the same in our spiritual lives, our spiritual relationships. They have to be built on truth. When it comes to our relationship with God, it needs to be built on truth. It's a spiritual thing. And I'm so thankful that we're in a church, like Orchard Church, that is based on truth. Not on lies, not on, on pastors' opinions or anything like that. We're, we tell people we believe the Word of God. And that's what we believe. And that's what we're built on, and I'm thankful that we're in a church like that. And that's what, the, that's what truthfulness at church is all about. Speaking truth, Paul said, to one another, because you're members of one body, you're members of one another. We're brothers and sisters of Christ, and this is a spiritual act, truthfulness. Truthfulness at church. The, ne- the other area of truthfulness is being truthful at home. Being truthful at your home, that's in your notes. Be truthful at home. Let's look at verse uh, 26. Paul talks about this idea of truthful at home. He says, be angry. Well, all right. That's the word of the day. We can all leave here knowing that the Bible has said we can be angry. So we can all go home and be angry. Everybody ready to do that? Let's all just go home. I'll pray. 
and we could go be hangry at home because there's always issues at home, is there not? Issues at home, maybe with spouses or maybe with a brother or sister, mom and dad, and, or your kids. There's always some things to be angry about. But thankfully, the scripture doesn't stop right there. Paul gives us a little more to chew on. He says in verse 26, be angry and do not what? Do not sin. Do not sin. In other words, this is different than like Incredible Hulk kind of angry. Okay? Do you, uh, if you don't know what this picture is, you're probably pretty young. Um, this is the Incredible Hulk from the late 70s, early 80s television show. And I'm very thankful of how far technology has come because we've come a long way. <laughs> if, you don't, if you're not familiar with this show, basically this nice guy would get angry, eyes turn green, and then Lou Ferrigno would show up on the scene in torn <laughs> pants. My son's really into the Avengers and... Uh, yeah, this, this Incredible Hulk uh, falls pretty short of what we got now. But anyway, you know, Paul is saying, you know, be angry and do not sin. In other words, don't be like the Incredible Hulk. So the, the question is, how do we do that? How do we get angry and not sin? Well, in verse 27, or verse 26, he gives us uh, an answer to that. Be, not, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, what Paul's saying is, Deal with your anger. Deal with it. Don't go to bed angry. Don't let the day pass away and be angry. Well, why not? Well, verse 27 gives us the reason. Nor give place to the devil. Now, this word place can be translated a couple different ways. It could be opportunity. Don't give opportunity to the devil. Or uh, it could be the word foothold. I've seen that in different versions. Foothold. Don't give a foothold to the devil. Any... uh, Hikers, 14er people in the house today. Oh, probably some modest people in the house that are 14er people. But, um, you know, when you, when you think about hiking and climbing, and you, this word foothold is very important because it's that place where you put your foot. It's that place where you get leverage to climb. And what Paul's saying here is that don't give leverage to the devil in your life by going to bed angry or letting, sitting on your anger and not dealing with with it because the devil can get leverage in our life and when you think about leverage and climbing it's like conquering something and if we're not careful the devil will give the devil a place in our life a foothold or leverage in our life to conquer what we're doing so we need to be very careful of that and paul warns us of that don't give place to the devil Uh, don't go to bed angry this is a uh, great marriage principle if you're married, you probably understand this or have heard this. Don't go to bed angry. How many have heard that? Just, read, yeah, all, uh, everybody. Okay. Don't go to bed angry. There was this one guy who was married for like 20 years. He said, my wife and I have never gone to bed without resolving a fight. He also went on to say, I have not slept in 20 years. <laughs> So just like it's important in our relationships with others, it's important in our spiritual walk with God that we resolve things. You know, we deal with things. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Be angry and do not sin. It's important to deal with that stuff. And that takes 
truthfulness. So we talk about truthfulness at church, truthfulness at home, and then the third thing that Paul talks about is be truthful at work. Be truthful at work. Verse 28, he says, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor. What's that next word? Working with his hands what is good. You know that word working can be a bad word to some people. Some people just don't like to work. If you're a boss, you have people under you, you probably understand this. Or if you worked with coworkers that do not like to work, it's like a bad word to them. This is a, this is a problem in our society now. We kind of live in this entitlement era where people don't feel like they need to earn stuff and they don't, need, they don't need to work for things. But it's a biblical principle. And Paul tells us, you know, work with your hands. Earn it. It's a good thing. You've heard of the statement, honest day's work for an honest day's what? Pay. Honest day's work for honest day's pay. And working for something or earning something and not stealing something is a great character builder. It's a great biblical principle. When I was a senior in high school, my dad surprised me one day and he bought me a truck. And it was a 93 Ford Ranger. And I remember walking out of the house being surprised by that. And it was like, to me, it was like getting a Mercedes because the car I drove before that for two years was a 1973 Pontiac Le Mans. It was a tank. It was rusting on the bottom. We were in Florida and no AC, vinyl seats, and no radio. And I drove that for a a couple years. So going to like a 93 Ford Ranger, it was like plush. It was amazing. And I remember walking out of the house, looking at the truck, and then I looked in the back of the truck, and there was a big pile of mulch in the back of the truck. You see where this is going. So I was all excited to drive the truck, but my dad's like, hold up one second. Before you go, we're going to do a little landscaping at the house. So he made me empty that truck and landscape our yard with this mulch. And, you know, I guess you could look at it as torture. You could look at that is mistreatment. But, you know, you look back on it as a parent, and you go, that's probably a pretty good idea, a pretty good character builder uh, before I take off in that truck. So, it's, you know, it's, it's a great biblical principle to earn something, to work for something. It's a great thing. And, and you look throughout Scripture, you look at the great men and leaders throughout Scripture. Uh, when God came and found them, they were busy working. You can look throughout Scripture and see this. Moses was carrying for sheep. And you look at Gideon. Gideon was threshing wheat. Um, David was minding his father's flock. Uh, the first four disciples were found either casting nets or mending nets. And Jesus himself, he was a carpenter. So this idea of work is a great biblical principle. But it doesn't stop there in verse 28. And this is where we're going to get spiritual. It's good and it's honorable to work and earn something and earn a living and provide for yourself and your family. But that's not the whole spiritual truth of it. Truthfulness at your work is is more than that. And we see this in verse 28. It says, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. It's more than just providing for ourselves and our family. Truthful work is so that we can give. So we can give. And I want to encourage everyone to have that, this, this full truthfulness in your work, in your finances. And the only way to do that is to bring in this other word called give. You know, obviously there's, 
giving God's tithe. There's giving to missions. I've been in Haiti and I've seen the feeding center that we support getting ready to go to Mexico next month to see that feeding center. It's amazing to see the impact uh, that your giving has had on those feeding centers. And you you know, we, th- we need to think about our community and look across the street and look, look at people in our, in our lives that God's put in front of us that we can help and we, we can give to. Because when we give, our work life and our financial, financial life will have spiritual truthfulness. Giving can be a huge spiritual turning point in our life because the cool thing about it is when we work for something and we earn something and then we're willing to give that something, what we're admitting and saying is that it's not mine, it's God's. And it really doesn't get much more spiritual or truthful than that. So when you have biblical truthfulness uh, in your work, at your church, at your home, then we can finally say, you know, yeah, I'm being spiritual. It's a characteristic, having these full truthfulness in our life. I am spiritual. So truthfulness, that's the first characteristic. The second characteristic that we're going to look at, that Paul's going to show us, is kindness. Kindness. Let's look at verse 29. It says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. I want to let everybody know something today. When you speak, people hear you. If you didn't know that already. When you speak, People hear you, so the question is, what are they hearing? What are they hearing coming out of your mouth? And we need to be, as, as Christians, as people have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we need to make sure that we're being spiritual in our speech, that our words are kind. And I want to give you a real cool little uh, takeaway today. These three questions, they're on your notes, and you can take these with you today, and if you want to make sure you're kind of speaking kind words you can answer these three questions. The first question is, is it true? Is it true? Ask yourself if it's true. If you can say yes to that, then you go to the second question, which is, is it necessary? That's where we get hung up. Yeah, it's true, but is it necessary for me to say? And then the third question is, is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? If you can say yes to all three of these, then you should be okay. Uh, We should be pretty kind in our speech. But kindness in our speech, letting no corrupt word come out of our mouth, it can be a hang-up for Christians at times. It can be a tough thing. Um, How many deal with road rage? Got a little road rage issues? All right. That's good. Have that from time to time. How about sports? How many people just have a hard time with sports? That's where your kindness kind of goes out the window. All right. Yeah. So we got a big game today, right? Are the Broncos going to win? That's the question. All right, cool. Now, the problem is I cannot give you any scripture to back up your unkind words today. Even the first time Tom Brady gets sacked. We, I have no scripture for you to take away and justify unkind words In this moment of the game, I think the most spiritual thing you could probably say is, it was God's will for Tom Brady to be sacked (laughs) at that moment of the game. Words are powerful. Would you agree with that? Words are powerful. Whoever came up with that phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones. What's the rest? 
See, everybody knows this. Why did we learn this phrase? It's so false. How many have been hurt by words? Absolutely. That could be the most painful thing that could ever happen to you. And we need to understand that with our words, they're powerful. And Paul says, let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. Man, we need to be kind as Christians. We need to be kind. We need to have the, uh, realize the Holy Spirit has empowered us to be kind and, and build people up. That's what words can do. They can break you down or they can build you up. Now it's not just words of speaking. It's what we type. You know, you got email. You got texting. You got social media. You got Twitter. You got Facebook. How many's on Facebook? Just raise your hands. I want to just do a shameless plug real quick of our Orchard Church Facebook page. would appreciate you to go like that today. Love to see those likes go up. A lot of kind words going on in our Orchard Facebook page. But I found some interesting uh, facts about Facebook. It's pretty, pretty interesting. One out of every 13 people on earth is on Facebook. One out of every 13. Also, every 20 minutes... 10.2 million comments are posted on Facebook every 20 minutes. Pretty amazing. A lot of words. Also, as a society, collectively as a society, people spend over 700 billion minutes a month on Facebook. 700 billion minutes we, we spend on Facebook. And I think this last fact has a lot to do with that is there are, there are more than 250 million active users currently accessing Facebook on their mobile devices. 250 million. Some of you may be doing that right now as I speak. <laughs> Gary is a better worship leader than a speaker. <laughs> I can't wait till next week when Doug is back. See, that's not very kind of you people to say that. <laughs> I think if Paul were living today, verse 29 would probably read a little different. It'd probably be like, let no corrupt word proceed out of your Facebook account, you know. We need to be careful of our words. It's not just watch what you say anymore. It's watch what you type. We need to be careful of that. How many are familiar with the new Facebook community called Frugal that's going on? Okay, I've got a few in here. If you, if you don't know about this, it's kind of like online, you can sell your stuff. It's kind of in our community. If you don't know what Frugal is, if you want to know if someone's on Frugal, they have these plastic bags, like Walmart bags, with sticky notes on their front porch. It's pretty wild. My wife started doing this, and I came home, and there's all these plastic bags with sticky notes, and this transaction comes, you know, people just come and pick it up, leave the money. And, and I told my wife, I mean, it looks like we're selling drugs at our house. It's, <laughs> It's pretty wild. But even I have heard on this frugal community, I have heard there have been unkind things said. And that's kind of the world we're dealing with with this whole social media. We've got to be re responsible for that. And these, especially people who claim Christ, you know, people who call themselves Christians. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us to empower us to be kind. And I want everybody to know today that you can be spiritual on Facebook. Okay, so I want us all to believe that as we walk away today. So we're going to do a little therapy right here. I want everybody to just say this together. We're going to say, I can be spiritual on Facebook. Everybody, you ready? Go. I can be spiritual on Facebook. 
Absolutely you can. And why is that? Because the Spirit of God is living inside of us to do this. Verse 29 says to impart grace to the hearers. Are our words kind? Are our words full of grace? Are they gracious to the people that are hearing them? We need, we need not to forget that kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 we, says this in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. What's that next word on the screen here? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Then it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We are spiritual, and as believers in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, which means we can be spiritual. We can be kind. And kindness is a fruit of that Spirit. So Paul's shown us a couple characteristics. Truthfulness, kindness, and then the last one we're going to look at today, the third one, is a, is a doozy. And I hope everybody's ready for this. A characteristic of being spiritual, that is forgiveness. Forgiveness. And we're going to pick it up in verse 30. Paul says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This Holy Spirit that's inside of us. And then verse 31 and 32 really kind of sum up what we've been talking about today. Verse 31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. What's that next word? Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know, we've probably all in this room been mistreated. We've all been done wrong. We've probably been talked about. And the thing with that is when you're mistreated, when you're done wrong, you have two reactions and only two, two responses. The first one is bitterness and the second one is forgiveness. When it comes to being done wrong, when it comes to being mistreated, you can either be bitter or you can forgive. I like how somebody told me this a long time ago and it stuck with me. You can either be bitter or you can be better. We can either forgive or we can harbor. And we need to be careful that we remember that because of what Jesus has done, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us to empower us to choose forgiveness over bitterness. Life is full of challenges and life is full of difficult people. Would you agree with that? So the choice in all that is either bitterness or forgiveness, to be bitter or better. This is in your notes. Challenges are inevitable. Challenges are inevitable. They're going to happen. So our reactions need to be spiritual. As people of God, as people who have the Holy Spirit inside of us, it's important that when the challenges come, the difficult people come, that we be spiritual. React spiritual. Today, I want everybody walking away from this place saying, I am spiritual. So because I'm spiritual, I can choose forgiveness over bitterness. You know, bitter people are like archaeologists, if you've ever noticed this. 
They're always digging up the past. And when it comes to this idea of forgiveness, what we have to do is we have to leave the past in the past. We have to leave it buried. And we need to let it RIP. We need to let it rest in peace because when we can let the past rest in peace, then we can rest in the peace of God. And we can rest. It's been said that bitterness and unforgiveness, not forgiving someone, is kind of like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. And the truth is that it only hurts us when we harbor things, when we don't forgive, when we don't let go. It only hurts us. It's kind of like this thing that grows inside, this idea of bitterness. In our, in our small group catalog, uh, one of the options is called It Came From Within. It's a study I did a couple of semesters ago. It's really good. It's the idea of this whole idea of bitterness and jealousy that grows inside of us. And if we're not careful, it gets out of hand and it becomes this monster. And that's what bitterness can do to you. But when, man, when we can choose forgiveness over bitterness, we can let things go. We can be free of those things. Because we are spiritual, we need to choose that. We need to choose forgiveness over bitterness. And here's how we can do it in verse 32, Paul tells us. Forgiving one another even as God and Christ forgave you. This is in your notes. I hope you remember this. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. You can forgive because God has forgiven you. And that is the power of God as the Holy Spirit working inside of us. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we can choose to be spiritual. We can choose forgiveness over bitterness. You know, all of us in Colorado last month experienced yet another tragedy at Arapahoe High School. A student walked into the school with the intent to kill. Before taking his own life, he shot 17-year-old Claire Davis in the school hallway. And as we know, Claire ended up passing away eight days later, December 21st. And at her memorial, her dad, her father, Carl, took a spiritual route as a believer. And he asked everybody to do the unthinkable. He asked everyone to forgive the shooter. And I wanted to read you kind of what he said, a few things he said at the memorial. He said, my wife and I forgive him for what he did. And we would ask, we'd also ask all of you here to search your hearts and also forgive him. We would like to ask you to join us and honor Claire by forever showing compassion, forgiveness, inducing whatever is within your power to reach out to those around you that might need the light of your love to help guide them through the darkness. You know, I couldn't help but read that and think, if they can do it, and if people that have been through tragedy like that can forgive, then I can forgive. If they can forgive, we can forgive. And what they did is they took a spiritual route at a time when most people were not. And because of what Jesus has done for us, 
we have the Holy Spirit within us. And we can choose spiritual things over, thing, over the, these things of darkness. We can choose forgiveness over bitterness. We can choose to be truthful. We can choose to be kind in an unkind world because of what God has done for us. And that's what God wants for all of us. And that's what I want everyone to walk away understanding today. That I can be spiritual because I am spiritual. And that's what God can do in us. And that's what he wants to do in every one of us as believers. Will you bow your heads and pray this morning? You know, you may be here as a Christian, as a believer, and you, you may say, man, I'm, I'm really dealing with some stuff with bitterness and <clears throat> dealing with things in my, in, a, in my life where the situations aren't, aren't ideal, um, dealing with people that aren't kind to me, dealing with lies, deceit. And this really hit home today. God's word is strong today. And you may be here and you say, man, I need to forgive. I need to work on being kind. I need to, I need to work on dealing with the lies and the deceit that are around me. You may just say, Gary, I just need, I need to be spiritual. I need to act like who I am. If that's you, just, just raise your hand this morning. Just raise it high. That's me. I'm dealing with that today. Thank you. Lots of hands. Thank you. I just want to pray for all of you. I want to pray for all of us this morning. That we can walk away from this place challenged and encouraged to be who God wants us to be. And that is spiritual. So let me pray for us. Father, we, we look to you and only you this morning. We thank you for your word and for your promise. We thank you for the truth that you've given us today. God, may we take that truth with us. May we leave this place and be who you want us to be. May we be kind. May we stand for truth. May we forgive and choose that over bitterness in our life. And may we be a light that shines in this dark world. God, may we be what people are looking for, and that is spiritual. God, we trust you, and we, we have faith in you and in your Holy Spirit inside of us to empower us to do that this morning. You may be here this morning and you may have never put your faith in Jesus. You've never put your trust in, in Jesus as your Savior. And you may be here and you're like, man, I want that power in my life. I want the power to be spiritual in my life. I want the power of the Holy Spirit in, in, in me to, to be able to be kind and forgiving and truthful in a world that's not. But I have never put my faith in Jesus. But I want to. I'm ready. I'm ready to give my life to him today. If that's you, just raise your hand just so we can pray for you this morning. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand. I want to be spiritual. Thank you. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to give him my life this morning. I want to pray for you this morning. If that's you this morning and you want that power in your life, the power of the Holy Spirit, 
It's really simple. All you have to do is put your faith in Jesus and because of what he's done, he has promised to fill us with that power, with that Holy Spirit, to make those choices and to finally be saved. Saved from this world. So if you'd like to be saved this morning, if you'd like to put your faith and trust in Jesus, you can just repeat this prayer after me. It's, just, it's from your heart to God's heart. It's between you and him. And I'll, I'll pray, and you can just repeat this after me to yourself. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose again. I believe that you are alive and that you are king forever. So Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be the king of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And all God's people said, amen. Can we just celebrate those decisions this morning? Amen.